everyone how you doing what is good what's going on welcome back to another episode of the tbnt podcast it's another week another day another dollar mm-hmm. hope everyone is well how are you doing i'm doing well quite well yeah yeah i'll give you guys my quote yeah, start us off this week Yes, so my quote comes from a music video that I didn't know existed that everybody needs to go watch right now. Um, but it is, I'm goodeth, beloved. Enjoy it. <laughs> and that is from the Future and Drake music video for, what was the song? I Will Wait For You. That one. I don't know what the actual title of that song is, but it's the, I will wait for you. Yeah, the music video is sick. <laughs> no, we watched it yesterday and we were all, I was like, why hasn't anybody been talking about this? Like, this yeah. is the craziest. First of all, how dare he? <laughs> how dare he? He got some motherfucking nerve. Future has some fucking balls. And, and Drake, Drake is really not much better. <laughs> Drake is a clown, like a literal clown, but I love him for it. They're such trolls. Yeah. Like, they know they're a problem and they just lean <laughs> into it. Like, go watch the video it's so funny they're basically future is the toxic king and he goes away to war and he leaves his wife behind and he'd be cheating on the queen cheating and then one of his his knights tells her and she like writes a letter and then he's like it's i'm good beloved like enjoy i'm goodeth beloved enjoyeth and so yeah that's the mood <laughs> just like ain't nobody could tell me nothing i'm living <laughs> life i'm good at beloved enjoy it <laughs> that's hilarious city girls up this summer toxic queens <laughs> i cannot with you that's hilarious that, no, so that video is ridiculous i just i literally cannot believe that i haven't seen anybody talk about it but me I neither. I didn't know that video existed. Like Drake and Future in full on night armor. It, yeah, that was it was funny. Riding horses? Yeah. No, Drake that was looks sick. super awkward. Like it was just it's hilarious. Like go oh. watch the video. And Drake with the braids. Like Drake was supposed to be the good knight and Future the toxic king. Yeah. I just can't. I it, can't. It was ridiculous. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> My quote comes from Arrested Development, and she says, I mean, it's one banana, Michael. What could it cost? $10? (laughs) And, like, inflation is real. That's how I feel this week. Inflation is real. Gas is so expensive. So expensive. And I'm just like, damn, like, what's going on? Like, it's 2008 all over again, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. It's insane. Apparently, gas is um more expensive than it's ever been. Yeah, it's like ten dollars in 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 California. Yeah, that's insane. I went to fill up my tank the other day, and mind you, like my light had just turned on, so it wasn't all the way empty, and it was seventy dollars. Yeah, I'm filling up at sixty. Like, how do people maintain that? Paying and my car burns gas, so it's like seventy dollars every week and a half, baby. Yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. Are y'all okay? I I don't think anybody's okay. <laughs> and like we can tell with just the the general temperature of the country, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's rough out here. Yeah, I And it's not okay. I would like to move to Italy and have a nice, simple life. Really? Like I wanna <laughs> live in the countryside and just like grow my own food and like walk to the market and yeah. 
Yeah, I want that kind of life. Mm-hmm. There's this, um, I think I've showed you her, this, it, she's a photographer, but she moved to Provence in France, mm. and she, like, met this guy, got married, had a kid, and she just lives this nice, quiet life, and she still does her photography, but she does, like, a lot of self-portraits, and then she sells prints of them, and does Beautiful. these, like, very small collaborations with these, like, small artisans all over France and these collaborations where she goes into the cities and like does these like beautiful shoots in these hotels and her her photography looks like artwork. I mean, it's just beautiful. Like her entire life is so picturesque. It's like the cutest thing ever. Yes, I Jamie would like- Beck on Instagram. Like I'm obsessed with her. But basically she left New York and she was just like, this is not the life that I want to be living. And she went and lived. She went and moved to like a small town in France and just like started a new life and is just like living her best life out there. I would like to do that. So would I. <laughs> I would like to just work in a cafe and live a simple life. <laughs> Literally, I think her husband, um, I don't know what her husband does, but he's like, they're just all, she's always like going on walks and going to the market and she has a little daughter. <laughs> going on walks and going to the market. Literally. Just vibes. Literally just vibes. <laughs> and like her work is like going to the cheese shop and and, photo- and doing photography on the cheese and putting together little portraits. And it's just the cutest little thing. Go follow her. Like it's, it's just so cute. I love that. So cute. Jamie Beck. Jamie Beck. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at this week. But let's get into the show. because <laughs> Let's get into it. We had such a good time with this show this week. We spoke about it last week, gave you guys a little intro, Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, there's like not enough good things to say about this show. We're really on a groove right now. I'm loving the scripted series. Me too. And I just can't get enough. So Tokyo Vice, it's about an American writer, kid, that moves to Tokyo and gets a job at a newspaper. And a very prestigious newspaper. He's like the first American to ever work there. And he tries to get in good with the police to try to, you know, put together the pieces of this string of crimes that he's seen that nobody seems to be investigating. Nobody seems to be really writing about what the truth of the matter is. And he is just, he's a mess. <laughs> he He's a mess. So he's, he's very ambitious, almost to a fault. And he's a little arrogant, but he's young. He's like the only American in Tokyo. Like everybody looks at him, looks towards him. He's good with the ladies. He's just like one of those arrogant kids that you can tell has uh, big dreams, big ambitions, big dreams, big ambitions, super hungry. Yeah. And been praised his whole life. So like this is the first time that he's not really succeeding at something and he just like keeps trying and trying harder. So he tries to get in good with the police. And at the same time, he also wants to get in good with the Yakuza's Mm -hmm. to kind of like get an inside scoop, maybe write about it. And quickly he sees that like uh, the criminal landscape in Japan and the way that the police handle it and the media handles it is very different than in America. Yes. In like the second episode, he goes to a press conference for a man who was murdered and he writes a story about it. Oh, this man was murdered. The police said this. 
and his editor chews him out and gets so mad at him and is like listen there is no murder in japan yeah so which we're all like what like me as an audience member i was like what do you mean there's no murder in japan i was like okay i see what's going on here And, and then it's later on explained in the show that like the yakuza's and the police have like an unsaid agreement that because the police know that they can't really take down every Yakuza clan in Japan, they're like so intertwined with the society that they don't necessarily report on every crime that happens accurately. Mm -hmm. So if someone is stabbed, accidental death, maybe it was a manslaughter, but never a murder because Mm -hmm. then Japan's murder per capita rate would skyrocket because of all the murders going on and the police would look really bad. Right. And there wouldn't, they wouldn't be solving the cases because there's no investigations to happen. Um, I thought it was interesting in the first, the first, so I started watching this and I hadn't seen the very first scene. So I kind of like got introduced to the story. And then when I went back and watched it, the first scene, he is studying really hard for like the entrance exam for the newspaper. He goes to sit for the test and he's like blowing through it. He does really good. And at the very end, he realizes that he missed the entire back mm. page of the of the show. And I was like, okay, this is setting the stage. This is telling us who this character is. Yeah. He's confident. He's very diligent. He's well prepared, but he doesn't pay attention to the details. And he yeah. says that in his is in his interview. He says, I I got so excited that I missed the details. Like I didn't pay attention to the details. Mm -hmm. And that really just like set the stage for who his character was throughout the show Mm -hmm. because he really had like a very natural way about him of like finding information, appealing to people's better, like better nature. Mm -hmm. And people were drawn to him in many ways, but he did miss he didn't look at the big picture. He didn't mm-hmm. always see the details. He didn't always look for the story under the story. And in doing that throughout the series, he he fucked up a lot of things. He made a lot of mistakes. He made yeah. a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and learned lessons very difficultly. Yeah. He started off really great friends with the police. And then by the end of it, he had lost them as sources. Mm-hmm. He was trying to get in good with the Yakuza's. But then at one point, it's like he's in too deep. It's uh, crazy. Um, He's chasing uh, these two stories for majority of the season. The first one being these loan companies that Mm -hmm. are driving people to suicide. Yeah. Which I thought that story was insane. So interesting. Yeah. And this is all based on a true story, mind you. Yes. So, like, this just gives you some insight into how Tokyo was in the 90s, what the Yakuza's were actually doing, which makes a lot of sense. Um, So, in Japan and much of Asia, credit cards aren't really a thing. No. You either pay for things in cash or you get loans. Yeah. And uh, there are loan systems over there. The interest is crazy. So, once people sort of get into debt, it's like they can never get out of it yeah um and uh, this kind of plays into what happened in squid games i know i was i was yeah. thinking that too all of the people with their debt like that's very it's a big part of the, the culture, culture in japan and there's a lot of shame around debt as well so mm-hmm. what the yakuza's were doing were um giving people loans that couldn't afford to pay them back and then when they were sending the paperwork it was like a life insurance policy yes so that if they die 
life insurance pays their debts. Yes. And then the Yakuza's were driving them to kill themselves. Yes. So crazy. But, like, again, in tracing that story, he was really on the money from the beginning and putting all the pieces together. Yeah. But because of his inexperience, because of his cockiness, he didn't really end up catching the Yakuza's in it and getting the big fish. Yeah, he he missed the details. He was too bullish about the way he went after the guy that was running the 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 mortgage company, like the loan company with the Yakuza's and he gave them an opportunity to kill him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he left his source alone, left him without protection, mm-hmm. allowed him to go back to the Yakuza's eventually. And then at the end was like, Oh no. Yeah. Um, so there was like lots of little details that he just was too bullish about trying to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Also, he got a, he started to get in good with one of the yakuza clans yeah um what was their group called um something kai ishida kai ishida kai i think or something kai Kai. yeah something um and he starts to work with them because the head of that yakuza is having some issues with the police and he knows that he's in good with the police so he is trying to figure out a way to get some information out of them to see who is planting information about him trying to take because one of the other yakuza clans is like moving into tokyo and And like waging war yes like trying to wage war Mm -hmm. so he is trying to figure out like where they are finding they're in where who is the person that's planting information for them within their clan. And so he helps them with that. And he's kind of like indebted to them. And so they give them information about the other clan. Mm -hmm. And he takes it to the police and just bull like bull horns through this like drug raid Mm -hmm. and it just goes terribly wrong because one of the cops is dirty and working with the tozawas yeah the Um, the rival clan that was bringing in the drugs i thought that was so interesting i was like that tip was good how did they mess this up i knew that cop from the very beginning was dirty he was just too sly too slick too he was just too good. I had a feeling he was dirty too. Yeah, M- Miyamoto. Miyamoto, yeah. He's so hot. By he the way. was hot. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this last time, but the Asian men in this show are so fine. So fine. Tall, just chiseled, fit, like swaggy. Yeah, very swaggy. Loved it. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I love the comparison that you made in the beginning of him not noticing the details because like that is his main character flaw he's so bright he's a very much a a, an amazing reporter investigator Mm -hmm. it comes naturally to him but he isn't detail oriented no and his mentor katagiri the cop yeah he is like the opposite very cautious old very 
principled, principled, yeah. Methodical is a good word. Mm -hmm. Very Japanese. Very. Disciplined. And he keeps trying to teach him that. And I love their relationship of uh, um, Katagiri being like, oh, you're the son I never had. Yeah. I see something in you that I just uh, like and I identify with. Yeah. Um, And he's trying to teach him, but of course, Jake is not getting it. No. He really is trying to say, like, slow down. Like, Mm -hmm. we can get this done. It doesn't need to be done today and i think that's the difference between like a cop and somebody that works in media because media is so like here and now you're trying to make prints you're trying to get your story into today's paper Mm -hmm. because you're afraid of like the scoop being taken by somebody else always that kind of like looming like am i gonna be the one to break the story is somebody else at the paper gonna be the one to break the story or is somebody at another paper gonna break the story but i also feel like it's a culture thing because oh yeah it was very this is the he was very american Mm -hmm. like instant gratification yes whereas uh, jap the japanese people valuing more delayed gratification Mm -hmm. doing things a certain way the right way with like respect to the culture, mm-hmm. respect to the um, hierarchy of power as well, mm-hmm. even within the the newspaper. Um, I, the story is also very rich with a lot of characters, and you got to see a lot of different layers about them. Like I love that we got to see Katariri's family. Yes. Um, like his home life, you could see that he was very protectful. He had these young daughters, a wife that were very proud of him. Um, but he keeps them very like isolated. Yes. Um, he even where he lives looks like way out in the sticks, like away from the city. Oh, but he has to. <laughs> yeah considering what he does yeah um but i i like that you saw that like he was such a family man um in many ways and everybody knows that he's very like he's incorruptible Mm -hmm. um and he really is just so just like keen yeah to certain things he's Mm -hmm. like there's more going on i know there's more going on he's very wise yes and even when when he's dealing with um ishida He's like, we can't afford a war in Tokyo again. Like, mm-hmm. I know as a cop that we can't do that. So you need to te- you need to keep the peace. Like, I have to work with you to keep the peace. Yeah. Even though I know that something is going on here and you might be a part of it. But, like, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend almost. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was very interesting. And then, like, within the Yakuza clan, we've got Sato. Uh, our baby Sato. The, my heart and soul. Justice for Sato. Like, he he was such a compelling character. Sato is a young Yakuza. Yeah. Who was recently um, initiated into the gang and is slowly moving up the ranks. Yes. And he makes it, I mean, uh, the hierarchy in the Yakuza seems like the people with the tracksuits are like uh, the errand boys. Yes. Like, uh, you know, they need to see if they can be trusted. And then once you start wearing the suit and once you get your tattoos, yes. you're like a, a part of the the middle management. And yes. then, of course, there are the people at the top who are like completely tatted up. Yes. So interesting. and Very like, interesting. I love when gangsters have a code. Me too. And when they have like respect. Yes. 
I, I think that's that was a very interesting part of the show as well, just showing those dynamics. Um, but Sato, he's never killed anybody. No. And throughout the show, you see him um, kill his first person, really rattles him. Um, his mentor that brought him into the game. His uncle. His uncle, right? It was his uncle. Yeah. He ends up being dirty and being a rat for the other gang. So yeah. he has to execute him and at the end the uncle's like i know that you can't do this and he just kills himself like sato goes through a lot this season a lot and i at the end when you see his family his father has like a heart attack and his mother has disowned him his brother doesn't really talk to him and um he there's a lot of shame there she he's like i know that dad is gonna need help like i can help you guys and she's like i don't want your blood money Mm -hmm. um So I think that's interesting how, you know, you can have like the dirty uncle that says, let me help you out. Let me take care of you. Let me take you under my wing. And your family disowns you because of that. Mm -hmm. And you kind of lose one family for another when you join Yakuza. But, you know, that comes with a lot of strings attached. Mm -hmm. You know, they're only as loyal to you as you are to them. They're only, you're only as good to them as you are as if, if you can feed their system yes um and just to see his kind of evolution he starts out very mild very kind of like meek and you see glimpses of that throughout still there but he really starts to become so tough hardened hardened um at the end of it and I hated him and Samantha. Samantha? Me too. Um, Samantha was a manipulative, conniving, only out for herself. She was just such an American to yes. me. Yes. I like the American characters were so frustrating for me. I like hated them. Yeah. Um, when he starts to date her, I was like, first of all, you do not need to be involved with this white lady. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, like that's all I could think the entire time. I was like, this is going to end bad. And when they started dating, I just felt like she wasn't really interested in him, but she was just like hurting and needed something to latch onto. So she like latched onto him yeah. because she knew he was into her. And I just felt like she took advantage of him. She did. She sent, some, she sent him to go kill that guy that was hunting her down for her father. She was a user. Yeah. Complete Very user. manipulative. But, um, yeah, I just feel like she's... She was very calculating. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. Yeah, and when she turned on him at the end, that was just so sad. She... Okay, so Samantha is a hostess in a host club which in japan i love the whole story of the host club right like that was my favorite one of my favorite parts of the show yeah like it was very burlesque it felt very old world Mm -hmm. in a way i was just like i love this like the i just love that whole thing but continue yeah but in japan they obviously there are strip clubs but there are also these clubs where they're like kind of lounges and yeah they're like high class yeah you go and you drink with friends and then there are beautiful ladies that are paid to just talk to you and be around you kind of like a date yeah so she was a hostess and her goal in coming to japan was to open her own club Mm -hmm. and she used to be like a mormon missionary like she had her own whole story going on 
but her ambition like she literally did whatever she wanted and like would use men to just further her own goals like she used jake she used sato and i kind of knew she was conniving when she did meth with the crackhead guy and was like letting him feel up on her that was like the last of it i knew she was conniving from the very beginning like way before that i was like this girl is a problem by that point i was just like i get it but her she there's no means to an end with her like there are no limits that she won't cross yeah and i didn't feel bad for her when she got robbed i didn't feel bad for her either in in a way like obviously i knew I just felt like there's no way you can pay a ransom to these random people. Her boyfriend is a piece of shit. Her mm-hmm. friend's boyfriend, Paulina, um, piece of shit. Like, I just felt like it was just all bad. And she didn't, like, take a step and, like, think about it. And I don't know. Just the way she went about that whole thing. I was just like, of course you got robbed. Yeah. And, like, the way that she was also gonna, like, hook up with that guy in order to, like, make him stop looking for her. She was really about to, she like... She really was. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. It, it was, like, she would really do anything to preserve her life and support her ambition. I didn't like that in her as a character. And, like, with Sato, deep down, he was just so... He was a nice man. Yeah. Like, when he was cooking for her in the kitchen, I was like... He would be like the nicest little house husband cooking for the kids. I was like, this man is such a gem. Like, he's so I sweet. thought he was just so cute. Like, right? just the uh, cutest. When him and Jake were singing Backstreet Boys. Oh my God. So, so The cute. music in the show also is so good. It's yes. all 90s. And like, they just played the best music. Like, Backstreet Boys, in sync, um, Sixpence Next to None. Like, it was just like such jams. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, just such jams. So good. So nostalgic. Because um, it's set in the 90s. And yeah, like, Sato was just so cute. Like, just, just for Sato. He's a nine, but he's a Yakuza. <laughs> He's a nine, but he's a Yakuza and a sweetie boy inside a 15. Oh, my God. Have you guys seen those TikToks that are like, oh, he's a five, but he has a boat. So that means he's a 10. <laughs> right. So he's an eight. He's a nine, but he's a Yakuza. Yeah. Um. Yes. I just felt so bad for him because he really was just trying to get by. He was just trying to do what he needed to do and get by. And he thought that he had found somebody that understood him, that cared for him. And she he was just like, there's just so much attached to my life. He's like, this is not it's not just as simple as you think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, There are consequences to everything that I do. And you're using me Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, I hated that ending scene with them. I was glad that he like ended things with her and then the boy gets stabbed. (laughs) And then he gets stabbed and we see Sato in the last episode bleeding out in the street, which I thought that this was a one season show, but I was wrong. They're coming back for another season. Season two. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Sato is alive. Yeah. Like, I really hope they didn't kill him. The entire show is like one big cliffhanger. Like, it really felt like the the season finale was like 
the the middle of an episode like it was like okay we're going to commercial and we'll be back mm-hmm. like it was everything was left on these cliffhangers which was so frustrating because we don't get another season for a while i don't think they haven't started filming but also i mean i didn't mind that they did that because everything that was happening throughout the show had a resolution and then, like, it's like they started a little bit of a different storyline towards the end, and that was the cliffhanger. Yeah. So, like, we didn't have any questions left from what we had seen in the first episode. Couple episodes, yes. This yeah. is true. Um, I did like that. And, okay, so I want to talk about Tozawa, because I thought he was such an interesting character. First of all, the guy that plays him, hot as fuck. Like, Which one was Tozawa? The the head of the oh, rival gang. Of the rival gang. He was fine. Fine as hell. <laughs> um, he's sick. I we never found out what he was sick with. It felt like cancer. I think he has cancer. I think so too, mm-hmm. but it could be something else. It is the 90s, so when he collapsed at his birthday party, I thought it might have been like HIV. Mm. But then he was like, I'll be back. I was like, okay, so it's definitely not HIV. Yeah. Like, there's no way someone in the 90s would have been like, I'm back. I'm going to be back. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was cancer. Or uh, Honestly, I just thought it was cancer. I thought it was cancer, too. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, like, prostate cancer. <laughs> That's what I thought the entire time. Yeah. Because he couldn't have sex. Because he couldn't have sex. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it was either prostate cancer or something to do with, like, the abdominal region. Because also the doctor said, don't let him drink. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe, like, uh, from all the drinking and smoking of his youth, maybe he, like, messed up his liver. Yeah. His colon. Like, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought he was such an interesting character because you only see glimpses of him and every time you see him, he's like sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's methodical, ruthless, very principled in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting at the birthday party. We see his wife. We see his kids when he gets sick. Yes. And he, we see him throughout the season with these girlfriends um, with this one main girlfriend. Um, and to see them meet when he after he collapsed, I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Yeah. You know what it was? And this was very subtle. I love it when a show does this. But you see his personal struggles and it kind of feels like he feels emasculated by them. Yes. So then in his work life, that's why he is so ruthless. Yes. He's like overdoing the control, the power, the masculinity yes. to kind of like assert the power that he knows he doesn't really have. And yes. you see that dynamic in his relationship with the girlfriend when he can't have sex and yes. she's like, oh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. And he's so cruel towards her. Yeah. Because like that's his way of asserting his power, even though he knows that like he doesn't really have any. Yeah. So crazy. Um, I thought it was interesting that the the top, top Yakuza godfather person is conspiring with him to take over Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very interesting. He's like, we have to play the part of like, we're we're going to bow down. We're, we're going to own up to our mistakes. We're going to pay him back for, for trying to step on his territory. Hold on. Okay, sorry for the interruption. I kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought. But um, to go back to Tazawa, I just thought he was a very interesting character. I, at the end when he leaves and he, like, says to the girl, like, you'll see me again. And it's just very menacing. 
like I was scared for her. I was so scared for her. <laughs> I was like, oh no, like there, like he is a bad man. He's really bad. I feel bad for all of his girlfriends. Yeah, because he's killed a few of them before. Yeah. I just feel like when you get in with the mob, like there's no way out. It's blood in, blood out. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just walk away. Yeah, but um, I love a show that gives every character a motivation behind their actions, good or bad. And I feel like every character in the show, we saw their backstory and we knew why they were doing things. Yeah. Like, Tozawa wasn't just this uh, villain that everybody hates. It's like, uh, he's sick. Uh, He has family issues. Like, just the way that his wife was looking at everybody, you know? Like, she was mean, too. It's a, and also very traditional. I, you know what yes. I think is so funny about certain cultures? The the men marry these extremely traditional women to raise their children in these very principled, old school ways. And then the girls that they cheat on them with or like have built these like outside lives with are like such skittles. Yes. Like just the complete opposite. But those women, they'll never marry. They would oh, never no. even think of marrying someone no, that doesn't no, no. fit the mold of that like very traditional orthodox kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. within their culture and Absolutely. i i've seen that in real life with people who come from like muslim backgrounds jewish backgrounds but like the girlfriends like totally different mm-hmm. like, that's who they really like right but the the wives the people that they choose to have their children with they're like a very particular mold mm-hmm um, I always think that's interesting. She seems like older. The girlfriend is so young. It used to be a model. Yeah. Very interesting storylines mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um. Also, at the end, when he's like, I'm just, I'm taking out Miyamoto. Um, and I'm going to tell you about it to Ishida. He's like, I'm I'm killing your wife and your kids if you come after me. Like, I'm done with the bullshit. Like, yep. <laughs> He said, I was playing nice before. I was letting you do your little thing. But let me show you what's really going on. And let me remind you who's the boss here. Right. Um, When that happened, I was like, this is a bad man. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, he's so bad. Yeah. Um, So that was very interesting to watch as well. Um, Just to go back to Sato, the young guy that the uncle brings to him and he Mm -hmm. kind of recruits and is trying to teach. um, I felt so bad for that kid, first of all. He just seems so troubled. Yeah. So incapable. And culturally they put a lot of pressure on people to perform they put a lot of pressure on men to be the leaders the the financial head of the households um to really keep society moving and this kid is just young wayward doesn't really have a clue and he he seems like he's so incapable of incapable of figuring out what he needs to do to even be successful Mm -hmm. like he's he can't even get the soup right you know something so simple as cutting up the onions like he he just hasn't figured out and not because he's not a uh, a cook but because he's clearly 
You know, he's just like not yeah. developed. Mm-hmm. He's just like not a developed person. Like maybe his his home training wasn't that great. Yeah. Like the background that he's coming from, whatever it is, he just can't get it right. And he's just like, just like give me another chance. And in that world, it's like we you don't have a second chance. Yeah. And I just thought that was an interesting like life lesson for the youth. Like it does like, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's a lot to live up to. But at some point you've got to buck up, pay attention and just like do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Because life doesn't always give you a second chance. Like it's you're you're not going to have life as a whole is like one long, endless chance. Yes. At doing better. But within context of different places, different like scenarios you don't always get a second chance Mm -hmm. and that's where people mess up people think like the small chance is the is the whole life yeah but it's not um and i just thought that was like an interesting i don't know if that's what they were trying to do but that's what i took from it yeah i mean i recently saw top gun the new top gun Mm -hmm. and one of the biggest lessons that tom cruise is trying to teach these younger pilots is that when you're up there flying the plane fighting these people that want to kill you like the simulations if you fuck up like in the simulation and then you we send you out there to actually fight there is no such thing as a second chance. And every time they mess up in the simulation, they're like, don't say you're sorry to me. Think about what you're going to say to your wingman's family after he's dead. Right. I was like, oof, that is very serious. But yeah, like uh, there is no second chances when it comes to a lot of things. Either you get it right and you're perfect at it and you're striving towards that. Or in many cases, you're dead. Someone you love is dead. Things like that. Yeah, there are real life consequences to the actions that you take in the real world. And it's harsh, but that's life. I think that is a lesson that they were trying to teach the young Yakuza's that were coming up. Right. Because in order to assume larger responsibility in the organization, you need to learn that lesson. Right. If you fuck up, it's your life or someone else's. Right. And if you can't handle the onions, how can we send you to collect money? How can we send you to get to make sure that our businesses are running all over the city Mm -hmm. correctly? It's like it's not the Oyoban is not going to go out and make sure everything runs smoothly. That's your responsibility. It's not about the onions. It's about how you move throughout your life. Yeah. And the, the attention to detail and the pride that you take in doing the good job well. And that's something that Jake had to learn, too. Yeah. Um, just so interesting. So I also like that he got beat up mm-hmm. by Tazawa's men. Yeah. For hitting on the girl. Like, what you doing talking to my woman? Mm-hmm. What you doing? He was getting real bold. You you know what's up. Yeah, Jake is the main character, Ansel Elgort. And he was getting real bold. Yeah. So he had to get put in his place, too. I like the fact that he got beat up. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes a good beat down builds character. It does. It humbles you. It, it humbled him. <laughs> Literally. He almost went home. Right. Called, called his, his dad. 
And then that's also an interesting um, dynamic as well. He's got all this pressure from his family back home. Come home, be with your sister, save her life, essentially. And that's just like such an incredible amount of pressure to put on a child. Like, yes, he's an adult, but he is still a kid. You are her mother. You are her her parent. And if you can't keep her together, what's he going to do? Yeah. And I think that's why him and Sato really got along and they were like kind of kindred spirits Mm -hmm. in the sense that they were really just these goofy, kind-hearted kids that wanted to make something of themselves. And then they have like all of this baggage and like this pressure and this darkness like kind of over them. Yeah. So I I love their little friendship. Me too. And I love the parallels between their stories. Mm Mm-hmm. I did too. Um, it, the show was just very good, very layered, very interesting. A lot of dialogue, a lot of really great acting, mm-hmm. like a lot of like silence, looks, just really great, like high quality acting. I thought the show from top to bottom was so good. And my favorite thing about it is the way it was shot. Like, yes, the aesthetic, beautiful. It was everything. <laughs> it was chef's kiss. Like, HBO really knows what they're doing with their photography. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got the best photography people yeah. in the business. They're killing the game. Like, mm-hmm. they, for that, they need an Emmy. Like, yeah. it was so good. Absolutely. And same director as the original Miami Vice, like I mentioned before. Yeah. So, you already knew it was going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I really loved it. I I want to watch it again. Right? <laughs> like, immediately? I didn't want it to be over. Me either. Yeah. When I got to the last episode, I was just like, oh my god, like, what's gonna happen? Like, oh no. And I just felt like the episode was going on forever and so much was happening, but I didn't feel like we were coming to a head. And I was like, where is this going? Like, how are we ending this? Mm-hmm. And then when it ended on a cliffhanger, I was like, no fucking wonder. I was yeah. like, oh my god, like... They just built me up even more because they really are like going down a whole new path of like leads and storylines and things to chase from where we started. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so interesting. Yeah. And like, uh, I guess this is a symptom of uh, the times and like how shows and movies and media has changed. But like... uh, it is hard to hook me in for a second season. And I feel like second seasons are always way more disappointing than the first season of a show mm-hmm. that you really love. But like with this show, I'm so excited for the new season to come yes. out. And I feel like uh, the storyline that it's going to go down now is just as good as the original storyline yes. from this season. Uh-huh. It's just getting juicier and juicier. Uh-huh. And it doesn't feel like it's getting watered down. I feel no. like a lot of shows, their second season, it feels watered down yeah it's like they really packed a punch in the first one Mm -hmm. and then the second one you're like "Mm, okay yeah but this seems like it's gonna be even more dangerous even more conspiratous even more like the stakes are gonna be higher yeah um which will be interesting to see i'm so excited and ansel elgort did an amazing job y'all ansel elgort is back I mean, I didn't really know the drama with him and his cancellation until you told me last week. Um, I don't know. He was canceled in 2020, if you guys didn't know, for like some um, sexual misconduct allegations. But I think uh, people are giving him another chance 
because the girl that su- accused him supposedly um she remained anonymous she never really followed up on it and mm. it was just kind of like this claim that she threw out there without any evidence so uh, i think that's why people are like mm, like uh, if this was really real like maybe that person should have done a little bit more like if you're gonna make an accusation about someone to cancel them yeah you need to come with the receipts and you need to like uh, say why and like uh, you need to give your story some validity yeah not just like throw something out there yeah and it's like what's your goal of just throwing something out there yeah yeah, so I think that's why everybody is just kind of, like, getting behind him. He was in West Side Story. Once you get, like, the Steven Spielberg cosign, it's kind of just like, okay, you're good. Yeah. So, we'll see. But, yeah, I'm excited to see him back. I think he's great. I mean, I think he did a really great job. Um, and the show is just amazing. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Yep. All right, guys, it's time for tea. Tea time. Let's get into it. Before we move on, I, what I meant to mention in the TV section, whatever, um, I finished Temptation Island and The Courtship. The Courtship is done? The Courtship is done. Oh, my gosh, I have to go watch it. Um, but I don't care. Spoil it for me. <laughs> okay, so she she chose Danny B. The guy she slept with. No. <gasps> The guy she slept with didn't even want a relationship. He was no. like, he was like, um, all I could see this being is a, a nice fling. Like when <gasps> we see each other, we see each other, and when we're not, we're not. <gasps> like, sir. Oh my god, he's sick. <laughs> the nerve. Okay, Danny B is the realtor from New York, the one that the, she first kissed. Yes, the from oh, the first date. Okay. So his whole thing throughout the season was that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to propose. He wasn't sure if he was going to be able to commit. Did he propose? He proposed <gasps> at the end. No way. Adriana. <laughs> when she walks in, like, they went on, like, a walk and, like, had a conversation. And she was like, I want to be with you. And he was like, okay. And then he, like, got down on one me and it was it was like shocking she was like bawling crazy no whatever way. so then they come back into the ballroom her family's standing there they're like what happened because she had gone out with the first guy mm-hmm. the jake i think his name was jake the guy with the dark hair that came in later on yes he was another front runner he was it was him it was those were the last two mm-hmm. he like oh my god you need to see their final date so they had one final date out in the real world like modern times wow and i need to watch this it was it was so good he was like all of a sudden he got like 17 times sexier on that date like he was just like wild and ferocious and he like picked her up on the street and put her up against a wall it was just like very hot and heavy oh my gosh so i'm thinking i'm like damn she's gonna pick him but he was like, I want to marry you. I want to be the father of your kids. Like, I am ready. Like, I want to move to Seattle. Like, I think Adriana. we can have a life together. So I'm thinking, girl, this other guy, you might have the fireworks or whatever with mm-hmm. him. But this is, this guy is solid. So the show got real because the show was very fakey, fakey. It before. was very fakey, fakey. But it's gotten, <laughs> it got real. Okay. And then she doesn't pick him at the end. She's just like, I just feel more for Danny B. Did he cry? He was in shambles he was like my heart is broken i don't know what i'm gonna do like and i was just like boy like just check your dms because i know (laughs) right now that man 
has like he's just so he's everything he's wholesome he was such a nice man so nice so sweet just real solid like really wants a family wants to start a life like just mm, lovely lovely so um so danny b proposes they walk in and she's like they're like everyone's like oh my god you chose him and then she's like (laughs) her mother's just like falling her sister's on the floor like it is so cute that is so adorable okay i love that i need to go back and watch but then i googled are they broken up? they're broken up of course (laughs) of fucking course i was gonna ask you that too like are they still together danny b called off the engagement a month after they got home a month (laughs) yes ay dios (laughs) what was the reason um a little over a month after filming, he officially broke up with me. She says, I was heartbroken. The feelings I have for him for the show and post-filming were the same. And I wanted nothing more to spend my life with him. Whereas Danny told me after the show wrapped, he felt differently about me and no longer felt like I was the one. <gasps> so apparently they had like, he, she went to New York, met his family, spent some time with him. He came to Seattle, spent some time there. And then like, she went to go see him again. And he was just like, I'm not, No. I'm done. <laughs> wow. Isn't that sad? That's really sad. Look at them. Hi. Pobre. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful photo. Um, yeah, I'll go back and watch that, but you should. It was really good. Um, the final dates when they're out in the world is are so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was cute. Okay. So it started out very fakey fakey, but yeah. it got there. Alrighty. Yeah. The courtship, you guys. Yeah. And Temptation Island wasn't good this season. No, I stopped watching. We, (laughs) in the break, we were discussing how we feel like every show that we watch, we give them a rave review and we always say, oh, 10 out of 10, so good. But I said, every so often we do have a flop. (laughs) And you'll know when I don't finish it. And I didn't finish watching Temptation Island. Yeah. I was over it. I knew it was going to be bad. I watched like... I was in and out. I watched like half of this, the episodes, but I watched at the end and like most of them um, broke up. One couple stayed together and got engaged. Of course. The, the, the black couple. No. Which couple? The the Asian girl and that white boy, the skinny white boy that didn't match her. They got engaged? They got engaged. That don't make no sense. And they had a reunion this year. They always have re- a reunion. They do? Yeah. No. Yeah, they always have a reunion. I don't remember any other reunion. Really? Yeah. Oh. No, they have one, I feel like. Okay, well, it wasn't great. Mm. Nobody stayed together. Nobody stayed together. The season was a flop. Everybody was, like, lame and not cute. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but let's get into, like, actual tea. Yes. Okay, so my first story, and the only one I really have, um... <laughs> Lori Harvey and Michael B. Jordan have called it quits after a year of dating. It's confirmed. It's confirmed? It's confirmed. The (gasps) Sheet Room reported it. No, but like, did they confirm it? Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I saw the rumors. I saw the the tweets that people were saying. Let me see. But is it confirmed? confirmed? People Magazine reported it. Wow. Yeah. People Magazine reported it. The Sheet Room reported it. They're officially broken up. That's a, they were uh, they were they just in cans together. They were a PR relationship, in my opinion. See, see, we had this conversation. You did not believe that they were PR. 
I know, but like, I believed it was real for a little bit, but like, now that they're broken up, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like they weren't real. I really or like even them. if they even if they weren't a PR rela- okay, let's say they were in a PR relationship. Uh-huh. I want to believe that they were not. I don't they, think they were. They were not going to get married. They were not no. the ones for each other. No. They were not in a serious relationship. They weren't endgame. We know that. Yes. But I don't think that I don't know. It's just very interesting when people like don't you know you're not going to marry someone. Like, how do you? How long do you stay with them? That's always the question. Like, how long do you keep this going? Because I think you after, know there's no end. You know there's no finish line to get to. I think right before the year mark, you start to realize, like, mm, this ain't going nowhere. But they were together for more than a year. It was, like, a little more than a year. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, right before a year or right after a year, that's when you're, you start to realize, like, mm, no, this isn't it. Like, we can't do this for another whole year. <laughs> interesting i always think that's so like such an interesting thing to analyze like if you're not gonna marry the person how long do you make it last yeah i think it's like a little less than a year because some people would really just be with you forever but not ever like move the relationship any further like yeah not make any more commitments not like you know not move the relationship to another phase they would just be with you yeah i think there's tears so like uh, three months of dating it's like are we gonna continue or are we gonna break up and after three months that's like okay this was a fling or like you're gonna be my girlfriend and then the next six months before a year like around six months is when you're like okay this relationship is either working or it's not and then that'll be like a short relationship and you break up yes and then you break up right before a year when you start to realize damn like this is a huge milestone a year another year of this and like people people usually get engaged after two years two and a half years roughly so like if you can make it a year and you realize that's not the person then you're probably gonna break up right the two-year mark you're probably gonna get engaged i feel like couples don't make it to two years yeah unless they think they're gonna get engaged or unless someone's wasting time okay so no the wasting time is the man (laughs) the wasting time mark is different so i think like around two years two and a half years you're either getting engaged or you're not getting engaged and mind you this is like a general rule of course if you started dating this person when you were like 15 five years can go by and you're not considering marriage of course yeah of course yeah but like that's a different that's if you get together at 20 but if you're getting together at like 25 or 30 in two years i'm sorry if you don't know you want to marry me within a year, like, what are we doing? Exactly. Okay, so here's my caveat. So two years, two and a half years, you're getting engaged. But if you don't get engaged, I feel like around the two-year mark, people don't break up. They start to think, let me just wait it out. I've already invested so much in this person. Yes. Like, let me see if we just need more time. Uh-huh. And then anything past that you're probably gonna break up and somebody's wasting time like after two years if you don't get engaged and you make it to five you're not getting engaged still yeah you're not married you're just prolonging the breakup (laughs) yes i completely agree that is my theory (laughs) that is i completely agree i have i have a couple friends that have been in some relationships and i'm just like dog you don't like that person like just break up just break up let them go let them go find the person that actually is gonna marry them because it's clear that you don't want to marry them Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then you have those people that have been together for 10 years and you know they're never going to get engaged. But if they do get engaged and they do get married, they're getting divorced after like two years. After No, one year. One year, like they're immediately getting divorced. <laughs> they're immediately getting divorced, yes. It's like, a, it's been 10 years, somebody is pressuring the other one into finally getting married and then they do it and they realize, no, we should have just broken up. We should have broken up. <laughs> and they always know beforehand, but they never do it. They just they see never it through do to it. the end. <laughs> I know couples like that as well. Yeah. I've done that too. Mm-hmm. I know both. I know all of these couples. <laughs> right? I am not any of them, but I know all of them. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people just need to break up. More <laughs> more often than not. Yeah, like, just break up, please. Please. <laughs> if you could, if you were in my position and you saw where this was going, you would just break up with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you would tell me to break up with them. Yeah. Like, if you were my friend watching me in your relationship, you would be like, girl. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> um. Some so more um, relationship news. Ari Lennox, the singer, R&B yeah. singer. Do you know who she is dating? No. She has recently posted them, posted him, and somebody that we all know and love. Who? From Married at First Sight, Keith. Keith? The man that we love. My my heart, my baby, Keith. <laughs> who was Keith with? Keith, remember, was in the season when they were in Dallas, and he was married to the, the virgin. He was a basketball player with the lovely mother. That me and mommy were obsessed with? Who was the the virgin? <laughs> yes, Keith! We love Keith. We love Keith. <gasps> He's okay, dating so if, Ari? So if you don't know what we're talking about, Married at First Sight, like two seasons ago, season nine, this guy, Keith, was married to this woman named Iris. Iris was a Iris. virgin. Iris. She was a virgin and she made that her whole personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they couldn't work it out at the end. He was just like, I just don't think she has like the emotional maturity maturity to handle the the sort of relationship that I want to be in. But Keith Dunn got glowed up and is now dating Ari Lennox. That is amazing. Good for her. Good for him. Good he looks. Good for both of them. Right? I like, I love this so much for her because I was obsessed with Keith. Like, I was like, this is a good, wholesome man. He comes from a good, nice family. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with his mother. Love, 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 love. Love that. Love. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good men are hard to find. So when you see a good one on TV... And you're Ari Lennox? Why wouldn't you? I want to know if she knew him from the show. I know. I want to know how they got together. But, like, he looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No, we loved Keith. Loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk <laughs> about is some Kardashian news, of course. It's like I can't escape them. Yeah. But Kim Kardashian this week launched her new skincare line. She did? You have you even you haven't seen it? No. Can it's called Skin by Kim. No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so it's like a nine step um system, she's calling it. But Kylie did skin. Yes. So now they're competitors? Yes. Hmm. I feel like they always like Kim just does anything she thinks will make money. 
I feel like they shouldn't have competing businesses, though. Yeah, like Kylie did swim and then Skims drops swim. Yeah. Like, they always... And then Kylie had makeup, then Kim went and did makeup. Mm-hmm. Now, this. Yeah. The whole system, it's very expensive. The whole system costs, like, $640. That's a lot. It's a lot. Like, the hyaluronic acid is, like, $90. Jesus. Like, hyaluronic acid is $10. At, yeah. Like, anywhere. At Sephora. <laughs> Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, So I just think it's very interesting that she would get into skin care because she had shut down KKW Beauty because she was rebranding. And this is like the thing that they're pushing out. And everyone's like, where is the makeup? Yeah. Like, I don't think Kim is known for skincare. No. And she's known for contouring. Glam. And like people loved the contour sticks from KKW. And her lip liners are like amazing. Her her lipsticks are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think this is like such a weird business for her to get into. And it just, it's almost like they don't ever really understand their brands. Like yeah. I thought they had finally gotten it in the era of like Good American Kylie, um, Kylie Beauty and Skims. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they, oh, finally they had fallen into the places that they should have been in all along. Yeah. But this just is like, what? Yeah. Like this is such a weird business move for her to me. For sure. Hmm. Alrighty. Interesting, right? Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, and the last thing I want to talk about is crazy story. Have you heard? Have you are you up on the Wendy Williams drama? No, what happened to Wendy? So Wendy, okay, so Wendy is basically in a legal battle with Wells Fargo Bank. Okay. Wendy banks with Wells Fargo, and they she went to go close her accounts because she was like, I think you are trying to get control of my money and conspire conspiring with my business partners. Um, and I need you to close my accounts and release my funds to me to move it to a different bank. And they shut down her account and filed like a legal injunction to get like conservatorship over her money. What? And they won. (gasps) They took Wendy's money? So I think this has all been, hold on. She has been denied access to the bank accounts with several million dollars in it. Um, Hold on. Yeah. So basically she has filed, she's had to like file like um, a lawsuit back at them to basically get control of her money. And the, the judge has issued like a temporary thing so she can like eat kind of thing yeah but the fact that wells fargo they're basically saying that like she's insane she's incompetent and she's unable to care for herself so we need to take control of her money the bank the bank that doesn't make any sense no sense at all to be able so to, to protect her and so when it was originally filed the court ruled in their favor and gave them control of her money and so now they have the judge has granted, um, like, basically, like, conservatorship of her estate to her son. So, um, until this is, like, finally, like, like completely, mm-hmm. ru- like, ruled on. Cleared up, yeah. Cleared up. But that is insane. That's ridiculous. 
It, banks can do that? I didn't realize that banks could do that. And it just, everyone's like, if they can take Wendy Williams' money, like, who's to say that they're not turning around and taking other people's money? That yeah. they can do that or, or are trying to, like, set the precedent to be able to legalize being able to do that. Yeah, that's scary. Very scary. Um, so this hasn't been completely sorted out yet. Her her son was placed in charge of the estate. and But even that, like, even if she was crazy, this, like, goes back to the Britney Spears thing and, like, the Amanda Bison's thing. Even if they're crazy, it's their money. Why do you, why are you taking legal control over someone who is a fully formed adult who's been able to work and, and function enough to get to that place to have built the, yeah. their career to that amount why can't even if they lose every dime that's on them that should be super illegal banks should never be able to do that i should be able to close my account and take my money somewhere else for whatever reason yes any and whatever reason yeah that is insane wow i'm so sorry to wendy she's going through it yeah the the bank has filed for guardianship petition for the appointment of an over, over of an overseer for williams assets what no that that should be illegal right that's insane oh i know she's sick Uh, she just ended the show she just must be going through so much right now and then this right i'm like so worried for her like i feel terrible for her and this is just this is just completely insane like if a bank can come after someone who is that famous that powerful that rich like, who's to say, like, you're not next? Yeah. Like, this is something we should all be like, absolutely not. Yeah, no. Like, this should not be legal at all. That's insane. And, like, why isn't Kanye's money locked up? Oh, so many other people. Like, you know, it, they always go after women. Mm-hmm. I just, I hate this for her. I think this is awful. Um, And I think everybody should get very like really keep an eye on this story because if they are able to get away with this like the who knows what's next mm-hmm. like your money really isn't safe in the bank yeah Oof. and then i do have another story i just okay. realized um johnny depp and amber heard oh yeah, yeah. We did, oh yeah we never talked about that last week you know we were waiting for the, the jury verdict. yeah um and they ruled Actually, okay. So they ruled that they had both defamed each other. Uh-huh. But in Amber's case, she was suing him for like three defamatory statements and Johnny was suing her for like five. The jury only said that Amber won one claim uh-huh. of um defamation and then in Johnny's case, he won all five claims of defamation. Mm. So like they ruled that she had to give him fifteen million dollars and he only had to give her two. So basically Johnny won. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. Is she is she actually gonna have to pay out that money? They're gonna appeal it. She's she doesn't have the money to pay it. Her net worth, if you search online, is like two million dollars. Mm. So now her net worth is like negative, whatever. Papa Elon. Oh yeah, her baby daddy is probably gonna have to pay some of that. <laughs> 
I love her how, alleged baby daddy. I love how Elon is just now her baby daddy. Like, oh we're, no, he definitely is. Like, we're not confirmed, but we're just saying it. Like, alleged baby daddy, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, isn't that crazy? I mean, I thought he was gonna win. Like, I, thought I he was didn't win think too. she had a chance in hell of winning. I just didn't think that they were gonna award him any money. Really? That's what I thought. I didn't think that he was going to get anything. I'm shocked that he's going to get something. Yeah. Even if she can't pay it, the fact, the, the, the symbol of like, you have to pay it is, is enough. Mm-hmm. Is a lot. Yeah. I'm a little shocked about that. No, I, I thought it was amazing because uh, like we talked about the, the um things that you had to prove for defamation yeah. but like her testimony just sealed the deal. She proved uh, unintentionally that she knew it was well people thought she was lying yeah she did it on purpose mm-hmm. she said that's why i wrote the op-ed and i quote yeah. to like ruin his reputation yeah isn't that insane insane but yeah and then like uh, you know of course the think pieces come out oh my god and it's like uh, this is a setback for women and now the precedent is set that even if you don't name your abuser they can sue you but it's like, uh, I don't think this was a setback for women, for the women who are telling the truth. I don't think so either. Yeah. And I think that, you know, men can get abused too. And Johnny was abused and she maliciously, you know. Set out to hurt him. Set out to hurt him. And I don't think, once again, I don't think anybody deserves to lose their livelihood and to not be able to work because they did something, you know? Mm. I always think that's such an interesting question. I never know where I fall. Like, I haven't figured out an answer of how I feel about that. Because, like, for instance, in 2020, anytime, like, a Karen, quote-unquote, was caught on camera doing, like, just being racist or whatever, it they would turn around and they would get fired. And it's like damn, they can't work. And it's like, on one hand, it's like, should people in positions of power have these kind of like internal um, biases? Is that what I'm looking for? Is that the word I'm looking yeah. for? Um, but it's like, should should just the person that works in an office for some company be should lose their job because they might be racist? I think it depends on what you do. Because let's say you know, you're a nurse and you're found to be racist, you should not have the right to care for other people. Because you know that you're going to be biased in the way that you care for them. Mm. And we know that, like, uh, you know, with just, like, the black mother maternal rate, like, it matters whether or not these doctors and nurses are racist. Yeah. Like, that's one example. Yeah. But, like, in the case of Johnny Depp and Amber <laughs> Heard yeah. being toxic towards each other. Like, like should he not have be able to work? No, because that doesn't impact his work. And if that were the case, then they should both not be able to work, you know? Okay, so then what about Cosby? Bill Cosby was abusive towards his castmates. No, he should not be allowed to work. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And children. Like, his underage castmates. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of them... Well, not a lot of them, but, like, at least a few were underage when he supposedly abused them. Mm. Like, no, that is a menace, and he should not be allowed on another set. Hmm. Harvey Weinstein, 
used his power yeah. to abuse the people in a workplace environment yeah he should not be allowed to work yeah i think yeah it, it, it depends i don't know it's like but it's like if you're a rapist why are you out here like no if you're a rapist you should be in jail right so that's cosby yeah i don't know i just think it's very like it gets dicey i'm not saying whether i'm on either side i just see it like it's just always like oh what happens it depends on what you do and like in this specific case like he was just toxic to this one lady and she was more toxic <laughs> to back him. to him yeah and like what we'll also see the deal is his exes testified like to support him yeah like kate moss said that he was lovely towards her he never abused her the other ex-girlfriend Ellen was Barkin. like yeah no he He's never done anything of the sort to me. So, like, in this one toxic relationship, like, that should ruin his life? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. And he'll be back. He's already signed on to do a new movie. He has? Yeah. Good Um, for him. And they've started... They immediately started to play Pirates of the Caribbean on TV again. Like, you know. Yeah. He'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like, this just proves... Don't be lying about your shit. Like, uh, the girl... uh, I doubt that there are that many women that are lying about their abuse. But, like, this just shows you, okay, you can't lie about it. No. And that shouldn't be, like, a go-to. Yeah. If someone has done you wrong or you're mad at them or whatever like you shouldn't just be willing to throw out accusations of abuse that shouldn't that's so awful to people of actual actual victims of abuse yes i think the only person that has set a negative precedent is amber right right like she is the one that has set women women back right but i mean I don't know. It was just a very toxic situation. I just think you have to own your own toxicity. Like, if you know you're just as toxic, why are you talking about his toxicity? Like, mm-hmm. you, like you don't really have a leg to stand on in that yeah. case. You're, you weren't Mother Teresa in the situation. So it's like, you can't be throwing stones yeah. when you live in a glass house. And even so, like, you can't lie about it because, uh, like, that was the biggest thing. Was she lying? She may not have been lying about everything, but what made the story look worse towards Johnny? Yeah, she did lie about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the TVNT podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You know all the places. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a five-star review. Tell us something nice. Only if it's nice. (laughs) And if you're watching us on YouTube, feel free to subscribe and to give this video a thumbs up. And we'll be back next Saturday with another episode to serve up the tea on the latest TV and pop culture news. Bye, guys. Bye.